as we stand to read the scriptures together. Have in your mind, Lord, help me to see, to hear, and to listen with new fresh ears this very night. Would you stand with me? From Luke chapter two. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, we are your people, saved by your work on the cross and your life, covered by your righteousness, coming even now to ask that you would intercede on our behalf, that you would give us, as Pete mentioned, new eyes and new ears. Really, Father, for those who might not know you, even a new heart, that we would be made different because of what we just heard and what we're about to hear. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the season, what it means. There's so many things that we give you praise for, but right now we're desperate for your Holy Spirit to illuminate these words, to make that life changing, transformation, that we might even be made different this night, Christmas Eve, 2017. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, a heart to feel and a mind to think. Take this gospel deep, deep, deep into our hearts, O Lord, we ask in Christ's name, amen. Shepherds are trained to look for signs. They 
are caring for a flock that is in desperate need constantly of danger all around them. And because of that, they're so needy. And shepherds advise to truly watch and look, look for trouble, look for danger, to anticipate they're courageous. Signs are everywhere, but not this sign. This is not what they expected to see. Tonight, you have come to this beautiful church on Christmas Eve. How many of you have been here a lot of times on Christmas Eve? I don't do this very often, but how many of you, this is your very first time in this sanctuary on Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock? Just curious. That's very, very encouraging to us. Five o'clock, it's a different kind of service. It's still centered on Jesus, but it's very loud. Very loud. The loudest child in the whole sanctuary wasn't one of mine, not this time. It was a little girl sitting behind us. There were two little girls. I don't know their ages. I'm guessing six and three. The three-year-old, at the end of every piece of music, or whenever the scripture had stopped being read, shouted out, yay! (laughs) Just thrilled. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yay! She was so excited. My six-year-old, when Brent Baker got up to do the sermon, just as he started, said, Daddy, how much longer? (laughs) Different levels of spiritual maturity, I guess. (laughs) I was praying this morning, and I was thinking of my own children. I have a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 21-year-old. And I wondered how much longer some of the wonder of of what we do on Christmas is going to stick around. It changes. You know it changes. In fact, some of you went to that five o'clock service forever, and you've graduated. You're here. Some of you want to go back. Probably a couple hours from now, you really want to go back. Just kidding. We're not going to be here that late. That's nervous laughter. (laughs) You hear that? But I wondered, and um. And I pray, God, you're the only one that can keep the vision of your glory in their hearts and minds. Every Sunday, I take the bulletin that I'm going to use, and I write at the top of it, only God has the power to change a man. And I mean man as in man or woman. Only God has the power to change us. And tonight... I want to invite you to consider deeply what you have just heard. You, like me, are constantly looking for signs. We look for signs as it relates to our health. We look for signs as it relates to our relationships. We look for signs at work, in recreation, constantly looking for signs in politics and in the world around us. What's the climate? what looks like might happen. And there are signs everywhere. And when we try to consider what we see and make important decisions. There are times though, when though we think we're the ones looking for a sign, we discover that the signs are actually looking for us. And sometimes when the sign is very clear in terms of what it means, we just really don't want any part of it. I know there's a lot of college students here tonight and young adults who, if you've traveled back or you'll be traveling back, you're going to hear things from loved ones like, hey, if you get tired, pull over. 
Um, don't, don't, don't talk in, on your phone or text while driving. You're gonna hear advice from those who love you and it's good advice. But deep down, you think it's really irrelevant to you. You think it, it can't really happen to you. When I was a little boy growing up, I'm one of five children, I'm the middle child. I had a brother who's eight, he's still alive, he's eight years older than me. We shared a bedroom and that was tough for him. So at 16, I'm his eight-year-old little brother, we're in the same room. And I remember Christmas Eve, every, every Christmas Eve, and some of you have heard me say this, I never went to sleep. I didn't sleep on Christmas Eve. I just waited for the light, for the sign under the door to go out, and then I knew I could go outside and see the tree. My brother was so much older, he wanted to sleep. I remember one of the first nights that my brother wasn't home with me. He was 18, I was 10. And the reason he wasn't home with me is because he had fallen asleep at the wheel of his car and had an accident that was very bad. He nearly died. For a number of days, he was not in the bedroom. I was lonely, frightened for his own life. So when my parents later in life would say things like, Mark, pay attention if you get tired, to pull over, get a hotel, I, I would kind of listen, but deep down I thought it could never happen to me. But most of you who have driven a car at some point in your life, you've had that moment when you saw a sign, you felt the sign, the sign was you're too tired to keep driving. But what did you do? Get a little more coffee, roll the window down, slap your face some more, turn the music. How many of you have done that? Just curious. That's pretty sad. That's scary, isn't it? But we do it because we don't think it could actually happen to us. When I was a young father with only a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, I was speaking in the summers a lot at youth camps. And I was on the East Coast speaking to a group of students, there were 10,000 of them. I had the privilege of sharing the gospel five nights straight. And then I had the chance to go home. And I wanted to see my family so bad. My flight was scheduled to leave at noon the next day, but I discovered if I left then and drove to the airport and got to the airport by three in the morning, I could catch a five o'clock flight. That means no sleep, but I can do it. And so I got in the car. And I remember the person at the hotel saying, you're checking out now? I said, I'm checking out now. I'm driving to Philly. I'm gonna get on the plane. And he said, if you get tired, pull over. Ah, I don't need it. So I'm driving, and as I'm driving on the Jersey Turnpike, I see a sign. And the sign is not a sign I was looking for, but it was suddenly there, and the sign said, stay alert. I thought that's really interesting. That's all it said. About a mile further down the road, it said, stay awake, another sign. Another mile down the road, a third sign, stay alive, stay alert, stay awake, stay alive. I thought, that's, that's clever. It's 1.30 in the morning. I need to listen to those signs that I've just seen. And I kept driving. I was tired, but I was going to make it. About five miles further down the road, twice the size of the three signs that I'd just seen were the same three signs. The first one, stay alert. A mile further, stay awake. A mile further, stay alive. I didn't anticipate seeing those signs. They were just reminders that it's late at night. I could fall asleep. I didn't, I made it to the airport, I made it home. But I share that with you for this reason. A lot of you, spiritually speaking, need someone to say, stay alert. Stay awake. 
Stay alive. And some of you are here and you're thinking, of course you're a pastor, you're going to say that. Just like the person who brought me. Maybe you don't want to even be here, but you're just being a, a lovely relative. And I'm glad you're here. But all of us need a reminder that of all the signs we're looking for to give us life, the one sign that matters most is the one we celebrate this night in the manger. He is the only one that can truly give us life that lasts for all eternity. Life that goes on and on and on. But we, because of sin in our life, are so deceived that we believe that we can figure it out on our own. We don't really need to hear what he had to say. It's sweet to celebrate this religious holiday, but I don't really believe he's the one that can give me the life. And so my encouragement to you tonight for a few minutes is to consider this sign, this sign, Jesus, who suddenly was spoken about by these angels that came to these shepherds. Now, I want to make some connections for you and for all of us. Jesus is the sign that the angels were pointing to. God is a God that gives us signs. But God's signs are very different than the signs that you and I pursue. Here's the first major difference. When God delivers the sign... It starts with him. So many people and so many books have been written about people who are seeking after God. Well, let me tell you that the simplest thing you need to take away tonight is that Christianity is not about people seeking God. It is about God seeking his people. Think about it. The shepherds are doing their job Late at night, they're in the fields, trained to keep their eyes open for those prowlers that would come along, seeking to get one sheep to feed on for one night. Shepherds wake and take their sheep during the day, looking for fields that will feed them. They scan the sheep, looking for signs of illness. Some illness in one could spread to all. But on this night, though they've heard before about the promise of some Messiah, Suddenly, the angels appear. Now go into the story. Here's these shepherds expecting to do what they've done every night since they first went on the job as a shepherd. And suddenly, the angel appears. And as the angel appears to them, verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, of course, were filled with great fear. And then the angel speaks and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. So they're listening. This angel begins to speak. This will be a sign for you. So the angel has their attention. That's what God does. God's signs are signs that grab our attention. They're not signs necessarily that we have been seeking. They suddenly, unexpectedly come right before us. And he gets our attention just as he's gotten the shepherd's attention. And he says, this will be a sign for you. We'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, 
So as if that wasn't enough. Picture it. The angel's been speaking. There is a sign. It's a savior, the savior, the baby in a manger. And then suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then the angels go away. Now this really happened. This event really happened here on this earth that that baby that they would soon go see made, this happened. The shepherds in the fields scanning, looking for signs to protect their sheep. Suddenly an angel appears. These courageous men are staring into the sky. An angel is speaking. And then suddenly something that you and I, and I I just don't know how to even describe this, we can't even imagine it, was revealed to them. They're overwhelmed by what they see as they listen to the heavenly host. And then the angels go away. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. That's very important. God makes his signs known. His signs are pointed to the one true sign, Jesus Christ. They come in unexpected ways, like on a night like this, when you've come to a place like this, when suddenly you might see something like you've never seen before. You might understand something new about the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here in the midst of this night in which they're simply scanning the fields, looking for signs to protect their sheep, this angel comes and speaks to them of the one true sign. So great is their awe and wonder of what they heard that they, they'd leave where they are. And it says they go with haste to see this thing that had been made known to them by God. God is the one who makes himself known. Now here's the beauty of that. Most people, when they think about trying to be close to God, begin to look for signs in their own life of whether or not they have measured up. Have I done enough in order for God to accept me? Every other religion in the world is based on that idea that have I done enough? Have I been good enough? Have I given enough? Have I not sinned enough? And they actually, we would actually look at signs in our own life to see if there's evidence that we are truly worthy of God's acceptance. That's not Christianity. Christianity is exactly the opposite. What Christianity tells us from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation is that that score that you and I have would never measure up. It couldn't. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We're all born that way. And so the signs that we should never look at are the ones that are centered on self. Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Have I been faithful enough? And because it's impossible for us to be saved by that, this sign Jesus was sent. This baby, 100% man, 100% God, God becoming man, so that this one true sign would be the sacrifice that all who trusted in him 
would have the sign of Christ over them, in them, so that they could be reconciled to God the Father. That's the gospel. That's what this Lord has taught us. And so the shepherds, they leave. They go to the place, Bethlehem, and there they see the Savior. And what happens? They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Tomorrow morning, you'll wake up. You'll celebrate Christmas Day in whatever way your family does. Children are going to wake up earlier than most of us desire. And they're going to tear in to packages. Some will receive exactly what they wanted. Others might be left a little disappointed. Most kids, maybe not the little girl who shouted yay after every hymn, but most kids are going to look back under the tree hoping there's what? One more package. One more package just for them. And you might think that that's selfish. I think it's being human. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is the gift that matters ultimately. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us for all eternity. When we realize that, something as miraculous as the angels appearing to the shepherds has taken place. When we realize that he is the one who is the true sign, the Messiah, the only way, the only truth, the only life, when we realize that, something as miraculous as the angels appearing to the shepherds takes place. And what is it? That unexpected voice that suddenly comes into your life and you say, I must receive him. I must believe. And when you do, Christ Jesus reveals to you that you are his. And he grabs hold of you even as you are clinging to him. And he promises to never let you go. Now here's how you describe that gift. This is the gift that I've always wanted. But that I have never deserved. This is the one true gift that will go with me for all eternity. This is the only gift that I will never grow tired of. This is the only gift that will be something that goes on and on and on beyond what I can even imagine. Now this side of heaven, that doesn't mean each day with Jesus is necessarily sweeter than the day before. And you'll be tempted in those moments to look at the signs and say, I'm not good enough. And you know what? 
you'll be right. But what you'll hear again is, it's not about you being good enough. It is about this sign, Jesus, the only one who is good enough ever coming to this earth to live the life you could never live or I could ever live and to die the death we all deserve to die. Have you, in your life, experienced God making himself known to you? Maybe that's tonight. If there's something happening in you right now, I just want to say, it's possible that you will do what we often do. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm going to run from it. Well, here's the most amazing thing about the gospel. He keeps pursuing. And all who are his, he has the power to convince that he's the one true way, the one true life, the one true savior of the world. Mm. In our life, we seek many signs. My guess is that you're seeking signs right now for something. The sign that you were ultimately made for is the one the angel said is lying in a manger. He is no more in the manger. He's now reigning as king. He ascended to heaven and he lives to intercede on our behalf. And so this night, as we worship him and close out this beautiful service, consider that sign in your life. If you have embraced Jesus before, give him praise. If you are coming to him now, give him praise. God is the one who has initiated. He is the one who sent his son to earth. Father in heaven, in this late hour, in this quiet sanctuary, we come to give you praise. I am so deeply grateful for each man and, and woman and child that you brought here tonight. And I'm very grateful, Lord, to be able to tell the story of what these angels experienced. And Lord, like children who wake up tomorrow morning and are overwhelmed with the gifts that they have received, and like many of them will call their grandparents or friends to describe the gifts, I thank you for the privilege that we have had to hear once again the gift of Jesus that has been given for us. Lord, would you, for your glory's sake, bring people to yourself even now? And for those who are in Christ already, would you deepen our love for you and give us a moment to just pause as Mary did and ponder you and consider what we have been told this night for your glory's sake and our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.